Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to this week's podcast of the Enduring Church. I'm Trent Young. I'm here with my good friend, Alan Small, and we like to talk about things to help you endure. And uh, hopefully you can come away from today with a little bit of something you can grab hold of and say, okay, I can apply this to my life, my ministry situation, and hopefully last longer and help my church last longer. And so today, I I want you to think about the word isolation. We're going to talk about this. And um, most of the time, Alan, it's used in a negative connotation. If somebody's in prison and they're put in isolation, it's because they've really screwed up something. Um, If in a hospital, if someone's put in isolation, it's because they have a very communicable disease. And so isolation can be a problem, can it, Alan? Yes, and we're going to kind of follow that line of thinking. It's it's not good. It's not good for us to be isolated. You know, it, as we're recording this, it's it's that Shark Week thing on TV. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't want to be. I don't want to. I don't want to be in the water all by myself with a bunch of sharks around me. Right? There, there, <laughs> there are times you don't want to find yourself alone, and that's one of them. Right? So I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what we're talking about here. We. We don't want to be alone. We've talked a lot over, you know, we've been doing this, uh, what, coming up on three years now. And we don't want you as a pastor, as a lay leader, whoever you are, we don't want you to do ministry alone. We talk about that a lot, but we we don't Mm -hmm. often talk about just this mindset you can get that leads you to, to isolate yourself from others. And so we kind of want to talk about that, maybe that mindset, maybe some of the things that it causes, maybe some things that would help you kind of recognize that in yourself. And then we'll talk about some things that maybe you can do to to help overcome that. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, let's let's start off with what you just said, Alan. Let's talk about why is it that sometimes in ministry, we do tend to draw in um, and isolate ourselves from others, uh, whether it's other churches or if as a pastor, sometimes we isolate ourselves from, from other people in our church even, um, or, you know, things that are going on outside of our church. So what? why is it that we do that? Well, I think the first thing is someone's been hurt along the way. I think the the number one thing that probably leads us to isolationism is that someone hurt us along the way. We don't want that to happen to us again. So our response to the hurt is to keep kind of a buffer zone around us at all times. Mm -hmm. You're right, Alan. We build those walls up and, and we don't always just hear this from pastors or leaders. We hear this from every person in church, um, and you'll see people, well, I don't, you know, you know, they'll use that as part of their story of why they don't attend church. You know, somebody hurt me a long time ago, or they, I can't trust those church people because they did something that really got to me. And so people build those walls up and they isolate themselves. Hopefully they think to protect themselves. But in actuality, they're really hurting themselves worse. That's so true. And sometimes it's not maybe as much about the hurt or is it is just the pride that I think, sadly, I think there are some pastors out there who kind of look at themselves as 
the elevated person and then everyone else is beneath them. Somehow they are there to feed into them and we kind of get that upside down a little bit. Yeah, I, I think that really um, kind of connects to the next one, Alan, that the idea that sometimes our theology can be really messed up and we have bad beliefs that cause us to have that pride of, hey, nobody's as good as us or nobody is worthy as us. And so we should separate ourselves from everyone else out there. And so what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I was thinking when we were putting this note together, I was thinking about that kind of bad theology that that I've seen people who feel like, well, my role as pastors to teach the word. Um, but I'm not going to get out there and live among the people. I'm here to teach the word. Well, that's being a preacher. That's not being a pastor. And as a mm -hmm. pastor, there's a theology that tells us that we we are to build relationships. Now, some pastors are better on the relational side than others. Um, I get that. Some pastors are better preachers than others. That's true, too. But it doesn't mean that the entire role of what we do isn't important. And I think that that's something that we need to remember, you know, and it's very important for us to remember is that the theology of being a pastor leads us to relationships. It's not, it's not an option. You're absolutely right. And I've seen this happen a lot of times, Alan, where, you know, a, a pastor chooses not to be involved with the community, not to be involved with their church community. Um, and, and over time, they have less and less influence of their community and then less and less influence in their church. People don't listen to their sermons, don't appreciate their sermons because they have nothing to connect to. That person, that pastor doesn't understand what his people are dealing with. And so his people lose touch and he loses touch with them as well. Yeah, we, we tell people when we're talking about illustrations, the best illustrations are from your own life. But if people don't see your life, they don't relate to your life. So those illustrations aren't going to connect. And you're going to be left with that 16th century king that you're wanting to talk about every week. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so make sure you do that. Turns out, I think there's one other thing, too, and that's the idea of fear. You know, and... and you may not have been hurt, but you may also have this fear of kind of maybe letting your guard down or letting people see the real you. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you have some baggage or maybe maybe you're just insecure in some way. But I think fear can also maybe be something that causes us to kind of shy away from others. Mm, yeah, I think you're right. You know, and as we're recording this, I'm in the middle of youth camp here in Missouri. And, and so we've got you know, a hundred kids out here this week. And, and we've been talking to them about this same fear that you just mentioned. And it's amazing. It's the same fear that we have as adults. We think, oh, we're better than that. We've got this. But no, it's, a, it's the exact same fear that youth have, that they'll look bad, that somebody will think badly of them um, or that they make the wrong, you know, that's why they don't raise their hand and answer because they don't want to look stupid, right? And so I think that same fear affects us as adults. Yeah, the sad truth is the, the best thing we can do with some of those things in our life is address them and move forward through them instead of holding on to, to that fear in our life. And so 
we want to remember that there are a lot of reasons that we might move to isolation and some of them it's understandable i'm not saying that if you haven't been hurt there's certainly not a danger that <laughs> i can't promise you won't get hurt again oh yeah but, but it doesn't mean that it's not what we're supposed to do we're supposed to put ourselves back out there so when we do that it leads us to of course isolated relationships and mm -hmm. that's that's really hard to maneuver in ministry when you are isolated um, from relationships and that it kind of begins with physical and emotional distance i have been in churches where i've seen the pastor is almost always off by himself and then there's the rest of the church mm -hmm. yeah uh, yeah, I've seen that too, Alan. Um, you know, it starts off with that emotional distancing ourselves. And honestly, you know, Alan, and I've talked about this before, that in seminary, we had some professors that really pushed that to be emotionally distant from your congregation, which is terrible theology and terrible pastoral practice. Um, so we don't want you to hear us ever say that. Don't distance yourself from your congregation you need to be all in. Uh, and, and yes, there is danger of, of getting hurt. Chances are there's going to be somebody that will hurt you or mistake something you say or spread rumors or whatever, but don't emotionally distance yourself because that always leads to the physical distance. You know, when we check out mentally, then we will start to pull away physically. I can, I can assure you who are listening today of this. Most people in your church want to love their pastor. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just true. People want to have a good relationship with their pastor. They don't want that distance. They want to know uh, you. They want to know what you think. They they want to know your story. They want to they want to open their lives up to you and have a place for you in their life. They are sharing. They are sharing community with you. And I believe that that's important for us to remember. That's why it's another important reason to stay in a church longer than, than what uh -huh. we have often done, because you don't get a second chance to start relationships all over again like that. Yeah, you're right. You know, and, and we've talked about this in other podcast episodes. And by the way, this is an aside. I would encourage you to go back and listen to some of our other episodes uh, but, you know, when we, if we start pulling away, if we start seeing ourselves doing these things, then, then our people need to be able to see us and they need to be able to continue that trust. And that trust always comes in relationship. You know, you're not going to have that trust if you don't have that relationship with that person. Yeah, that's a, definitely something that happens when, when, there's distance, then the trust trust is diminished. And trust is so hard to build. Think about it. When people are going through a marital crisis, let's say there's been infidelity, you know, every counselor will tell you the hardest part of a marriage to rebuild is the trust factor. And mm -hmm. you can think you're going along fine and things, everything's fine, but one little thing can happen and you just have all this insecurity and all this distrust that just creeps back up in your life. And that's just because trust, once it's been broken, is so hard to rebuild. So the best advice is don't betray the trust. I mean, that's, right. where, that's, that's where you start. And 
-hmm. if you want your people to trust you, you've got to let them get to know you. Well, and, and we have to make ourselves emotionally available, physically available to be held accountable, right? If I'm not willing to be held accountable in a relationship, if I don't let people close enough to me to say, hey, I care about you, I see this becoming a problem, then, uh, you know, there is no relationship and, and we don't have the right to speak into their lives if we don't give them the right to speak into our lives. And from a church standpoint, when that happens, then discipleship's not going to take place. Mm -hmm. And our entire responsibility is to make disciples, and we've totally undercut our ability to do that. Mm -hmm. You're right. Well, and, and the, the last part of this that you put in our note today is a lack of discipleship. And I, I think that's really true that as I think about this, this list, you know, that it kind of moves from one to the next, you know, that emotional and physical distancing leads to a lack of trust. And then it also causes us to not do what Jesus has commanded us to do and make disciples when we don't let anybody close enough to us or we don't seek out relationships and we aren't going to be making disciples uh, because you, you do have to have that closeness, that relationship to, for that to happen. Yeah, when we look at the example of discipleship, you know, I think, I think uh, through all the instances in the Bible where someone came alongside someone, there was a following that took place. And that happens through relationship. It can't happen any other way. You know, and one of the things that we've done in America is we, we really have in many ways turned discipleship into programs. And I understand why we have programs. We're not here to say programs are necessarily bad. But a tool uh, without the person invested in using the tool is just a tool. It right. really takes a relationship um, to, to do that. So concentrate yes. on on building relationships because if you have isolated relationships it begins with distance and then there's distrust and then the discipleship factor just isn't going to happen and if the church isn't fulfilling its purpose no one in the church is going to feel good about it you're not going to feel good as the pastor they're not going to feel good as the people and and there's a huge disconnect but not only is there the isolated relationships trent we also see that there, it really forms in us a sense of isolated thinking and i don't know that we talk about this side of it often but this is this is important yeah um you know one of my favorite <laughs> christian uh philosophers um is zig ziglar <laughs> i don't know if you'd call him a philosopher or not but he was a great um business leader who became a great um christian leader and uh, he said that lots of times we suffer from stinking thinking and that is so true you know as we think about this and so let's these are just a few things that i think you you ought to be aware of in your own mind as stinking thinking stuff that begins to build up a cesspool in your own mind and it affects you as you as you do this so so alan the first thing on the list here is confirmation bias so kind of give me a breakdown of what you're thinking on that. Well, you go into every situation, you've already made your mind up before before you've ever heard anything. 
you know, when we're isolated, we only want to hear what we want to hear. And so we we've already filtered out anything that might change our course or or change our direction. And of course, it's a buzzword today. I, I get it. But we need to be careful to not drown out other voices because one of the voices we're likely to drown out is God's voice. Mm, so we need true. to make sure that we are keeping <clears throat> keeping the road open to hear hear some other voices. And that kind of ties into the second one. And that's unimproved ideas. You know, Trent, you and I are idea people. Mm-hmm. You know, we've right. had some we've had some doozies um over over the years. <laughs> but what happens if you <laughs> what happens if you hold that idea all on your own and you don't share that? Well, yeah, it, that's it. You get what's the next one, the low buy-in part of that. But yeah, if if I'm the only one, if I'm the only person who is part of the team, and it's the old story: if nobody's behind you, you're not a leader. Um, and so I've got to realize that the, this Christianity deal is a team sport. Um, I, I'm supposed to be having a team, and ministry is supposed to be a team effort. And so I've, I've got to in, ask people or invite people to share their thoughts about the ideas that we have, you know. And, man, I like you said, Alan, I'm a big picture kind of thing, and I need somebody who's good at administration to look at it and say, now, wait a minute, have you thought about this? How are you going to handle this issue? And so those you need those people. I'll give you a good example. The best church leadership meeting I ever had, I came in and we had no place in our in our church to do uh, education, to do small groups or anything, and felt that that was a big pathway forward for us because the home study group wasn't working. <clears throat> and so I came in and I had this idea to, to maybe so we didn't have to do as so much on, on the inside to have a, a kind of an outside building with uh, doors that could open into different rooms. And, you know, I thought, okay, so this is cost effective and it gives us space and all this kind of stuff. And I brought the idea to, to my board and they said, well, tell us what you see. And I, I, I got up and I remember I drew the picture, you know, and I had this, I had this picture of what it looked like. And a couple of them, you know, and a couple of them were experienced with building and all that kind of stuff. And, they came over to me and said, have you thought about this and this and this and this? And, and they drew it. They, before we were done, we had a much better workable thing that connected to our other building. And we were able, you know, within the next year and a half to have, to have education space for our church. And I can tell you that the finished product was a whole lot better than the idea in my head. And that's only because other people got a hold of the idea and they made they made an okay idea a great idea. Oh yeah, that's a that's a great picture because you know there God puts those people in our in the midst of our team that do have those experiences, like you mentioned, the guys who knew about construction. And you know, most pastors we don't know all the ins and outs of of a building project. And so we need those folks like that. And Whatever you're you're looking at, you need those people that that have that experience, that knowledge base that you may not have. And so, be a good listener. I say that a lot on our podcast, but be a good listener to other people. You know, even if you're the guy putting out the idea, 
share the idea, but then say, okay, now I want to give you time to tell me your thoughts. And, and so I think that's a big deal. Yeah, and when you get isolated too, Trent, not only do you not want anyone else to take your ideas, but then all of a sudden you begin to do um, idea overload. And this is where I go. Whenever I start to have times of isolation, I get alone with just my head and everything starts coming out. And one of the things I realized a couple of years ago, after a staff meeting and after some honest conversations was, is that what I was doing was kind of doing my own thing. And because of that, I had this abundance of ideas that were coming out and some of them never should have come out. <laughs> you know, I hadn't had a chance to process them and I hadn't had a way to filter them. And so when we took one or two good ideas and started filtering through them, I found out that I didn't have to have as many ideas going on at one time um, in my head. And I think that's important for us to remember that one of sometimes when you're alone, your own worst enemy can become yourself. You know, like to say mm -hmm. like this, when you act alone, you'll find yourself alone. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good, I'm glad you put that statement in there because that really is true. Um, and, you know, what you were saying about too many ideas, I think that's really true that sometimes our church needs to be able to focus on one or two things at a time. You know, you may have lots of great ideas, but you have to also learn to space them out um, because your congregation can only handle one or two things at a time. Let them finish those. Let them celebrate those com those completions. And then you, you can build on that and you can do more things in the future, but not everything all at once. That's, that's what you call drinking from the fire hose, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, and uh, if you're if you're out there listening today, you need to watch an old a Weird Al movie called UHF because there's a great moment with that <laughs> reference uh, in there uh, for all you old timers out there. So anyway, you know how do we do this? How how do we overcome um, you know this sense of isolationism? And again, these are things we've talked about before. We're we're not necessarily saying anything super new. But I want to kind of come from two angles. The, the first angle, Trent, is you need to train leaders inside your church. But you need to train them in some specific ways. You need to train them to give you honest feedback. Yeah, and some, sometimes I've seen pastors who have burned that bridge where they didn't allow people to give feedback. And so when they decided that they wanted to, it took a long time to kind of get people used to doing that again and thinking that it was safe to get, because I've seen pastors just, just blow up on somebody who was trying to give some good feedback. And so people are a little bit gun shy, you know, they're like, I don't want to go there again. He, you know, blew up on me last time. So, yeah, yeah I that's think sometimes, you know, we talk about a honeymoon period in a church. And that honeymoon period's kind of in that that time frame where every decision you make is a good decision, and every decision you make has the support of everybody because you're new you're new to them and they're new to you, and everything is just so wonderful. But there comes a point in time where everyone, some people look, get to know you well enough where they realize, you know, that last idea was terrible. <laughs> you know, that, <laughs> yeah. that didn't work. And you really want to have those people around you and you want to give them permission uh, at times to tell you, 
hey, you know, can we have a conversation? And you have to be big enough to accept it. And that's, to me, that's the harder side of the equation. I think you can train people to give you honest feedback. The question is, can you train yourself to accept honest feedback? Yeah, that's harder. Yeah. To, to accept what comes back at you, you know, and sometimes we're so used to giving the feedback to others, but we're not those good listeners to say, okay, what I hear you saying is that this was a terrible idea, you know, because our, our emotions are, we're so invested in our own ideas that sometimes we can't let others speak into that. So the, the next part of this, you know, as we train leaders is to find some people that we trust outside of our church who understand our role. And so who, who would be those people, Alan, that we could find? Well, you know, Trent, if you think about your, you, you liked business leaders, you connected with a lot of business leaders in your community. You know, I had a lot of relationships at the, at the local high school. Um, I've talked with, you know, some principals or, or other people, but find someone who, who, um, maybe as an organizational leader in your community who understands what it's like to lead an organization, or maybe there's a trusted friend outside your church who understands you and understands your role, or could be another pastor. You know, we're, we are blessed. You and I are associational strategists, so we work with a lot of churches, and we're able to help um, put pastors together with other pastors so they can do life together. And that's certainly a huge benefit. And that's one of the great things I believe about being um, Southern Baptist as we are, is that we have an outlet for that type of relationship. But, but it's important to find those types of things. Can you think of anyone else or what would you add to that, Trent? Well, I, I, you know, we do a, once a month, we have a pastor's breakfast. There's usually about 10 to 15 pastors that get together. And, uh, you know, I've had several accounts where there been one of our younger pastors who has asked a question during that time. And we've had some amazing discussion. And, you know, some of our older pastors have been able to give some wisdom, some things that they had to learn the hard way. Um, and that really built up our younger pastors. And so, you know, having that time where you can get together with some other people as pastors or lay leaders even that are, um, Part of, that do the same kinds of things. And so that's an area, Alan, where I think it's really valuable to find conferences to go to on, you know, say you're a, um, you're a worship leader. Well, find some conferences that are for worship leaders. Go there and spend time with other worship leaders and you'll get a chance to just pick each other's brains. Same thing with uh, Sunday school teachers. Find conferences for Sunday school teachers and, and get together with some other people who have wisdom. Yeah, I'm amazed today because of technology. Um, there are people out there that you wouldn't have had access to before that you have mm -hmm. access to. I've seen uh, I've seen someone like Lee Strobel say, hey, I'm at the airport at so-and-so gate. I'd love to meet you. You know, mm -hmm. you want to become a better ap apologist in your ministry and you're at the airport, you know, uh, See where see if Lee Strobel's at your same airport. You have a chance to to meet someone who's done that and done that well. So, you know, yeah. don't don't hesitate to to reach out to someone um, who you think can benefit you and have have a meaningful help um, in your relationship. You'll 
you will be surprised what God, the doors God will open for you. So, you know, this is goes beyond accountability. I, th I think if we look at our day and our culture, accountability is a huge part. But when we talk about isolationism and the, our tendency to go that way, kind of protect ourselves or for whatever reason we go that way, what happens is though we are not ever going to reach the best version of ourselves that God wants us to reach. And we need others to do that. We were not made to live life alone. God said it's not good for man to be alone. And uh, he opened the door for marriage. Uh, but beyond that, he also opened the door for family. He opened the door for friendship. He opened the doors of relationship. And, and that's what he longs to be in with us is in relationship. And so relationship is at the very center of the character of who God is. So it's important that we let others breathe into our lives so that we can be as effective as we can be for God's kingdom. Yes, Alan, you're absolutely right. And so um, I want you to realize that too, that Satan wants you to be isolated. And he's gonna tell you that you're the only one that's dealing with this. You're the only one that understands. And, and so, but don't buy into that lie. There are a lot of other folks that have been through the same waters that you have and would love to be able to encourage you. Um, and so, so that's part of the reason why Alan and I do this podcast is we've <laughs> we've been through some deep waters um, and some of that together, uh, but we want to be able to encourage you and help you. So we appreciate that you've taken time today to listen to this podcast and we'd like to um, develop that relationship with you and encourage you in other ways and so uh, in the show notes for the for this podcast you can always find out how to connect with us but we know that you have uh, choices and we appreciate you spending a little bit of your time listening to the enduring churches podcast today